Good morning. Ask everybody if you're coming in. No, I was looking for TV. Okay. I don't have it. Okay, I'd like to open with a prayer, so if everybody would bow with me, please. Dear Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for every person in this room, for the journeys that are currently happening and for those that have finished, for those that have not happened yet. I pray, God, that you would watch over every family and every loved one that's not in this room today. Bless each of these people. Help each one of them, God, on this journey. We pray, God, that you would fill us with wisdom, with kindness, and today with your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. Um, thank you guys for coming. I know this is um, uh, a tough time for a lot of you to come and to be in a class like this, but I appreciate your interest and appreciate you guys wanting to be here. Let me make it clear first that I am not an expert in the field of caregiving. Um, every journey is different. I'm not qualified to judge your journey, and even if I was, it wouldn't be right for me to do so. I'm qualified to talk about my own journey. I made lots of mistakes during my years of caregiving, and I took away some advice and some knowledge that I think might help you as you guys go forward to maybe not make those same mistakes. I have a heart for caregivers because I understand the stresses and the often impossible situations that you find yourselves in. I am really thankful to have some experts in the field that are going to be addressing this class in the weeks to come. We've got Sean White, who's gonna be coming. He is a critical care nurse practitioner, and he'll be covering home health and also hospitalizations. We've got Ron Williams, an attorney who specializes in wills, estates, and he has a great understanding of elder law. He will be handling those issues and coming in and talking to us. Richard Cooper is going to be talking to us about technology and ways to keep your loved ones safer and more independent longer. I'm going to be covering a variety of other related subjects which may change along the way, kind of depending on your feedback and what you'd like to discuss. I'm gonna start by giving you just a quick summary of my own caregiving journeys and what those look like. I was raised by my grandparents and spent most of my early life, there's my grandma, <laughs> and spent most of my early life dealing with the elderly, kind of understanding what they needed and helping with their care. Um, I made decisions about my grandparents and their care and even end-of-life decisions. Um, and then about 13 years ago, when my mom was 77 years old and in excellent health, she stepped off her bicycle after riding 10 miles and had a massive stroke. A week later, after doing everything possible, uh, it came time to make decisions that we were completely unprepared to make. Did we want to try a drastic surgery that might leave her alive, but not really the person that she had ever been? Um, did we want to remove life support? Did we want to donate her organs? All super difficult questions to answer, considering that we had never had these conversations. 
with her and, want, and didn't know her wishes. Because she was vibrant and healthy, we thought we had plenty of time. A few years later, my father in his mid-80s was showing signs of dementia, but he was managing fairly well on his own. My sister and I started increasing our trips to Southern California, and eventually we were there about every other month to check on him. Um, we used some technology to help keep him safer until one day we received a call that he was in the ER with an extremely low heart rate. Richard and I were on a plane just a few hours later and we were there for five weeks. Um, he needed a pacemaker installed and sadly the surgery seemed to escalate his dementia. We worked on getting him rehabbed and looked closely at his conditions and needs. Through conversations with my dad and my sister, we came to an agreement that really my dad could not live alone any longer. Um, between the dementia, dementia and he had some vision issues caused by macular degeneration, he wouldn't be able to drive and he really needed more help than he was going to be able to get out there. My sister and I traded places. She spent five weeks in California getting his house sold and getting him ready for a move while I was here working on a place for him. Um, my dad was still very independent, so we agreed on an independent living facility about 15 minutes from Richard and I, and my father lived here for five and a half years, and I was his primary caregiver. We're currently helping a couple who are 94 and 91. There's our friends. <laughs> they asked us about a year ago if we could legally um, provide help for them. They had sat next to the table at us where my dad lived, so they got to know us and came to us one day and said, how much help are you willing to give us? So we are now their power of attorney and, and their personal representative. So we check on them every week. We're there for emergencies. We're there for, you know, anything that's going on. They just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary this wow. week, which is kind of amazing. He's a three-war veteran, just like my father. And so that's really a blessing. Just when I thought, you know, our sacred journeys were over, another one came up. <laughs> so you never actually know when that might happen. I will reference my journey with my dad throughout the class because I learned more from that experience than really I could ever learn from any book. But truly, this class is about your journey. And I sincerely believe that through preparation, knowledge and commitment that you can complete your own journey one day with little to no guilt or regret. I've seen so many loving caregivers suffer for years, not from grief, but from regret. Will you do everything right? Absolutely not. But will you get up daily and try your best? Um, no quitting, no giving up, um, trying to be present in all situations and to make the best decisions you can with the information that you have and have your loved one's best interest at heart. You're going to be trying to make good decisions at times when there are no good decisions to be made. Truly forgiving yourself for the things that you cannot change. Knowing ultimately where the road will end and understanding that this is God's timing not yours. You can micromanage all you want, but you're really not in control. God is. You did not choose this journey, but God chose you for this journey. 
You will need to realize that you do not have power over life and death, and you shouldn't believe that you do. Trusting God every day and asking Him to give you the strength and courage to bring your best self to this journey. He will stand with you in every situation and help you fulfill the fifth commandment to honor thy father and thy mother. The commandment that comes with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I want to share one other verse with you that really stands out to me um, and connects me to this study. Let me read a verse from Deuteronomy 7.9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You need to walk this journey not with fear, but with confidence. Confidence that the Lord will be faithful as you are being faithful. We have a good amount of information to cover today, but I'll stop after each section and take a few questions. We'll also talk about our class schedule at the end of this class today, and we'll decide where we're going to take our holiday breaks. We've got a couple of different weeks that aren't scheduled, so I'm going to kind of get a feel for what your schedules look like, and then hopefully people won't miss a lot of these. All right, let's start at the beginning um, of caregiving, and that's recognizing that your loved one may need some help. Your journey may start with a phone call that someone's had a heart attack, a stroke, or a fall. You may have suddenly become a caregiver. Being prepared ahead of time will help you navigate the, a crisis. Then again, it may be like it was more with my dad. It might be kind of a slow progression of things that are less obvious, but still need, are requiring your attention that your loved one needs additional care. You may notice certain signs during a visit, and these are some of the things for us to watch for. Okay, is your loved one looking kind of wobbly? Are they looking a little bit dizzy when they're standing up? Have you seen signs of a fall, or have they mentioned it as if it was nothing? That's pretty typical. Um, is their personal hygiene slipping a little bit? Uh, are they skipping showers? Do you notice your dad's shaving less? Are their clothes maybe a little bit dirty, have some stains a little bit unkept? <sighs> I heard an uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, some of us, yeah, we're, we're taking a little closer look at our own selves this morning, too. <laughs> so, um, has your gained one, I mean, has your uh, loved one gained or lost weight? It could be a sign of depression or that shopping or cooking or eating are all kind of becoming a challenge for them. Is their home maintained the same way that it's always been? Is the house clean? Are the light bulbs changed? Um, has the carpet been vacuumed? Is the yard mowed? Are the flowers planted? Are the trees trimmed? Has their personality changed a little bit? Is your normally sweet mom somewhat cranky and irritable? Is your super talkative dad suddenly quiet, withdrawn? Is there food in the house? Is it moldy, spoiled? Is it sitting out on the counter or on the stove? Um, 
Is there mail that you notice that's been unopened? And are there bills that have not been paid? Are they missing appointments? Um, getting lost in places that they used to know really well? Uh, forgetting important things or losing certain things constantly? I know that's me. Um, <laughs> does the car have some dents that you can't account for? <laughs> Uh, have they received some recent traffic violations? Um, do you feel unsafe riding with them, or have you forbidden <laughs> the kids from riding with them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one that really hits home to everyone. Um, and have they maybe stopped doing some things that they used to enjoy? Um, have they stopped playing bridge or golf or entertaining or getting together with friends? And are there things in the mail that shouldn't be there? Are they filled with new subscriptions and sweepstake entries, uh, requests for donations, or thank you gifts for previous donations? Um, are there signs that they may have fallen present, um, that they have fallen prey to fraud? I know my dad had a whole cabinet full of cups with every kind of thing on it you could possibly imagine. We had an entire collection of cups from places that he had donated to. That's a big sign to kind of keep an eye out for. So these are all warning signs that your loved one may need some extra care or help. Um, I'm going to share with you a story uh, that one day I got a phone call when my dad was still living in Southern California from the church secretary. My dad loved going down to the church and bringing a hamburger to the secretary every single day and they'd sit and have that hamburger together. So she called me one day and she said, um, Tanya, I wanted to let you know that um, your dad wore his pajama top underneath his dress shirt today, underneath his coat and his dress shirt, I could see that he had his pajama top on. Well, I went into the mode of saying, well, you know, maybe he was just really cold when he got up this morning and, you know, maybe he didn't feel like taking off that warm pajama top and, you know, I immediately started rationalizing it. But I called a friend who was a geriatric specialist and I asked her about it. And she just cut to the chase with me and she said, would your dad have done this 10 years ago? No. She said, would, would he have done it five years ago? No. <laughs> so. Let me just tell you, it is super common to not want to see the signs. But don't deny them, don't make excuses, go ahead and really look at them, and don't rationalize the behavior away. Okay, any questions about warning signs that you've seen with somebody that you love or that you're caring for? Anybody? Got any questions on this section? Okay, let's keep going. Let's talk about communication a little bit. Kind of the next thing you need to do is start talking. Open the conversation. Start earlier than you think you need to. Don't find yourself in the same position that I did with my mom. Thinking, oh, they're great, everything's good, I don't need to have those conversations. Start them. Start them earlier than you think you need to. Ask them about concerns and worries that they have. Try to figure out what those are. Are they worried about maybe finances, uh, medical care options, uh, their loss of independence? Um, do they want to be physically closer to family? Or are they trying to figure out how to stay in their own home? 
genuinely listen to them. If you carefully listen to them, they are going to be much more likely to listen to you. Don't come in with a total plan that you have figured out and bulldoze them. <laughs> it is very easy to do. I am my own bulldozer, so I know. I'm speaking from experience. Um, this can shut down any kind of future communication that you've got with them. So, and if they're uncomfortable, let me give you a couple of different tips, because sometimes they just don't want to talk about this with you. This is, these are difficult conversations, and they don't want to talk maybe about it. So try asking them how they handled things with their own parents. If you don't really know, ask them how they did that. Ask them what they're proud of, what they did with their parents, what they're proud of, and what they would have done differently if they could have. Um, ask about a cousin or a friend, somebody that you know that they're aware of, and what their care and what kind of help they received. Ask them what they thought about that. That will give you some really good insight into what they're thinking kind of about their own care. Um, and also try asking their advice, just like you did when you were younger. Ask your parents advice. Um, perhaps mention something that you've read or heard or seen, maybe something related to financial or related to care. Ask them those questions, include them in this. And then do some active listening. Repeat what they've said to you so that they know that you heard them and that you understand what their wishes are and what they care about. Um, and if possible, really try to honor um, these things in the, in the plan and include your parent in the planning. I know that's not always possible, but if it is, please try to include them in that plan. And reach out to your siblings and try to include them in the plan as well, even if they're at a distance. Um, I'll tell you a story about where I feel like I really failed at communication. Right after my dad moved here, um, he called me one day and he said, oh, I'm so excited. I, I found a guy that can drive me around whenever I want. I can call him and he'll come over and give me a, a ride. And I thought, well, wait a minute. That's why I brought you here. I brought you here so I could give you a ride around. But I went over and I met the guy and he looked like he was on the most wanted list for Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a tattoo around his neck that might as well have said, don't hire me. <laughs> and, and I immediately thought, oh no, <laughs> you're not driving my dad around. And my dad and I, who normally got along really, really well, we did not get along well <laughs> on this. But in hindsight, I really wish that I had seen what he was trying to tell me. He was trying to tell me, I don't want to burden you. I want to be able to arrange my own transportation. I want to be able to call somebody else and have them take me around. But I'm the bulldozer. You know, I want to be that one to do that. So in hindsight, when I look back at that, I wish I had found him somebody that was somebody that I could trust, somebody that he could call, you know, instead of saying, you always have to call me. He saw that as burdening me. I didn't see it as that, but I think he did. So. I'll tell you, look for the things in communication that are unsaid, but try to think them through and let that plan, that what they want to do, let that kind of rule. Yes? In the previous session, you talked about that there's like a five-week period from 
There absolutely uh, there was, and what Lonnie's asking is five weeks is a pretty short period of time. Did I get some pushback from my dad? Um, somewhat, but. Uh, when we kind of realized what his situation was with dementia, we found some bills on the floor in the garage. I mean, we really could see things were changing. Uh, we did with my dad. Richard and I offered to move out there, move in with him, rent our house, find another job. My dad said, absolutely not. That's not going to work. It would be better if I came there. So my sister and I really switched places after that decision was made. I came here. She'd already found a place for my dad. I started stalking it while she was there working on that. But I do remember a phone call from them with my sister saying, Daddy's starting to, you know, see things leaving the house. And yeah, it, it was tough. I will say that. I mean, it really was. It, it's not easy. Next week, we're going to cover moving. And so we'll, we'll get into that one actually kind of in depth. So, all right, any other questions about this section, about communication? Mm. I think the part where you talked about your siblings, uh -huh. I think that's an incredibly difficult one. I have three siblings, and I'm the only one that is away from my mom. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of have our own ideas, and they're all good. Right. But trying to uh, navigate how we'll all you know, compromise yeah. on that, it can, it can make problems for the siblings as well. Oh, absolutely. And the last time that I did this class, Karen, um, it, was, it was an abbreviated, just a three-week class, and I handed out handouts with about 20 different subjects about caregiving. What do you think the number one was? <laughs> Sibling issues. And, and I was surprised by that. So we we're going to do one entire day on siblings. Okay. My issue, I'm 700 miles away from my mother. My brother is an hour and a half away. He has absolutely no contact with my mother. <clears throat> he won't answer phone calls. He won't answer <clears throat> texts. Right. So I just, once we went, got powers of attorney changed to my name instead of his and got her moved, it was all after the fact that I let him know that she was moved and this is her address and phone number and not one response for him at all. Had two cousins pass away just in the last three months. Not one response for him when I let him know. I don't know what's going on with him, you know, but I'm having to deal with this from 700 miles away. Yeah, and we're, we're going to also cover that a little bit even later this morning about things you can do at a distance because that's typically what a lot of people are dealing with is caregiving at a distance, not right there. Mark. Yeah, another thing on communication is uh, being aware of confidants that they already have. Right. For instance, my mom, uh, when before she moved into a nursing home, mm -hmm. <clears throat> she wouldn't really tell me exactly what was going on. She wouldn't tell my sister either. Mm -hmm. And she was in Alabama. My sister lives there as well, so she was able to check on her quite frequently. Um, my aunt, uh, my dad's sister, and her have become had become greatest friends, mm -hmm. and it was we, my sister and I were having that conversation about 
when should we make the call? You know, when when can she no longer live by herself? Right. When can she no longer drive herself? Right. And my sister called me at work one day and she says, You're not gonna believe this. But Mama called Aunt Mabel, who then called me and said that she wasn't comfortable living by herself anymore. She thought she might be going to a nursing home. That's that's a blessing when it they was. do that on their own. It that was. that doesn't happen all the time. No. So, but also <laughs> let us know that yeah, she's not going to tell us first. We need to make sure we got strong ties with our aunt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Having a network of people is huge. Was there? Yeah, Teresa. Is there a way we can get copies of the notes that are up here from everyone who, who gives a talk on Sunday morning? Like, could we put a link on the East Side webpage? Or? We're doing actually a podcast this well, morning. There's she didn't get a copy of it. I'm first. sorry. We ran out of them right before you guys got here, but I will get you the notes actually from this morning. There you go. Okay. There's one. So yeah, Thank you can hopefully next week I'll bring enough. I didn't know exactly how many people to anticipate. Great. But yeah, and for anybody that is really in the thick of it, come and see me and I'll give you my detailed notes of what I'm actually talking from and looking at. If you need that in addition so that you really have some detailed notes, just come and let me know. And I'm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, all right, well let's move on a little bit and let's talk about, after you've talked about it a little bit, you've recognized something's going on, let's talk about getting organized. This is not something I'm great at, but I've got a lot of advice for you guys about it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which I know you'll be thrilled about. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, those who can't do, teach. <laughs> all right, find a system first that works for you and follow that system. Whether it be highly technical, which a lot of you are, or as simple as carrying an extra calendar. I always had my dad's calendar in my purse. My purse weighs about 25 pounds, and it weighed 30 then. <laughs> I always had, I had his calendar, I had my calendar, I would sync it up with him, I mean, it was crazy. Um, but find a system that works for you, for your paperwork. Um, being organized is going to save you tons of headaches down the line. So keep a master list of names and phone numbers, doctors, caregivers, neighbors, friends, church members, pastor, pharmacy, hospitals, rehab hospitals, care facilities, or local care groups that you may be working with. You're going to probably need this all the time, so keep these with you. Keep medical information, passwords, or other critical information, perhaps on a flash drive, that's with you at all times and can be accessed from any computer. Uh, keep a current list of prescriptions with you at all times, if you're the person that's boots on the ground, okay? I always had a copy of my dad. I had a spreadsheet of his drugs so that I knew exactly how many times a day he took them, exactly what they were. I'd white it out, you know, very old school, and write it in, but I always, always had that in my purse. I kept a copy in his room. I kept a copy at home. That that one is huge, yeah. And Mark. I would add that uh, when, the, when they get refilled, make sure that you update how many are there. That way, mm -hmm. a week later, wait a minute, what do you mean you're out? <laughs> right, yeah, or, I, I actually- do you still have 90 pills? Right. And an and excellent thing, try to keep track of what's going on pharmaceutically, and believe me, that's, <laughs> that's a tough one to do. I did all my dad's meds because of his dementia, so I actually had control of those, so I had an entire pill boxes that I went through a filling thing. 
So, you know, I, I get it and I hear what you're saying. So good, good luck and keep on top of the meds. Um, set up an online or a physical calendar for your loved one's appointments. There's several online calendars that you can set up that will also share with those that need to be in the loop. I had on my dad's wall something about half this size, a huge whiteboard that was a calendar. And every month I would go through and fill that in. I would put appointments in red so that he could see them. I'd put caregiver schedules in black. And when I was busy, I'd just come in and shoot a photo with my phone. So I knew what it was. I updated that, kept track of that calendar. It was big, it was visual. And while he could still really understand that, he could see his own schedule, which was good. Um, keep a log of medical care. Include dates of treatment and when medications were stopped or started instructions and uh, symptoms. These come in super handy um, for trips to a new specialist or to the ER. You will get asked this if you're along, if you're the person that's with them. Keep other relevant information in one place, documents, brochures, things you're thinking about doing, you know, um, and any medical papers. Try to keep them all, if you can, in one area so you're not constantly hunting for those. And keep a to-do list accessible from your phone or computer. I'm the queen of post-it notes and slips of paper. I always have them in my pocket all the time. I'm going to tell you, that's not an ideal system, okay? <laughs> um, they do tend to get lost. Um, download, you can do this, download a scanner app. That might be kind of old school for a lot of folks. Um, to your, or use your cell phone and be prepared kind of to just snap some photos if you're someplace that it an appointment and you need a copy of something, just be ready and think, oh, I might need that later. Take a quick photo of that. Um, see about signing up your loved one for automatic deposits or perhaps auto bill pay. We're talking about a group of people that got all their checks, went down to the bank, you know, deposited them. This will wear you out. So try to automate what you can. That also helps if you become the person that's doing the bill paying. You already kind of know how that's set up. Um, if family and friends want updates, try a Facebook group or a group email or even a web service such as caringbridge.org. Those can kind of help pe keep people in the loop. And make notes each time you talk to a home health care agency, lawyer, or social worker, include the name and what you discuss so you can refer to this later. So if somebody says, oh, I didn't know anything about sending a caregiver over to your house, you can say, I spoke to Monica on January 22nd at 2 p.m. and she said that Amy was going to be coming at 3 o'clock today. You have your ducks in a row. That won't happen to you again if you do that. Um, and have necessary hmm. like in the medical world, asking somebody their name for your records. Like I'm, I just want to make a note of who I was talking to today. Mm -hmm. You get a lot more follow up when they know that you can call them by name later. Yeah. Even if you are like me and forget to write it down, asking for their name comes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and yeah, sometimes even you know asking a doctor if you can refer if you can record a conversation so you're sure you don't miss anything, I, I would ask them. I wouldn't do that without their knowledge, but I would say if you know you're going to be getting a truckload of information out of a doctor that usually just zips through everything, I'd ask, is it okay if I record this so I can reflect on this later? Um, have necessary inf information in front of you if you're calling agencies, doctors, and so on. Have your questions written out and take notes on the answers so that you've got those in front of you. Believe me, you will forget. You will forget this stuff. 
Um, confirm all appointments if possible. You really don't want to take time off work and you really don't want to get your mom out of her bathrobe and haul her to an appointment when they say, oh yeah, we forgot to call you. The doctor's not in this morning. You're going to want to kill somebody when that happens. <laughs> so, so let me say just take, take a second and call and confirm appointments ahead of time before you try to get that person out. Um, make copies of anything important that you stick in the mail. Uh, receipts, insurance claim, VA paperwork, inquiries, uh, nursing home applications, just anything, and also record the date that you mailed them so you've got it. So if they say, oh, I never got that, I never saw that, I don't, and suddenly you don't have it anymore. Um, also, um, keep track, um, try keeping a detailed schedule with you so that things really don't slip through the cracks. It will help you a lot if you have everything kind of on your list and you're not just driving place to place, oh yeah, I needed to pick up a walker, that was right by where I was. Try to kind of organize your day before you get out. Okay, any questions about organizational stuff? Yeah, Richard. Uh, Jeanette and I were invited to talk to the young couples class a while mm -hmm. back, and one of the things that we told them is, with, between the spouse, have an I'm dead day where I'm no longer here. Do you know where right. the passwords and the insurance and everything else is? Absolutely. Yeah, great, great idea. Always want to do that. Kind of make sure that you know where everything is because you often don't, and especially if you're a caregiver like Kay from, you know, from a long distance away, you get there, you have no idea where everything is. There's no way. Try to do that before you're in a crisis situation. So you realize, okay, this is where all the banking stuff is that mom has. You know, she keeps it in the, you know, third cabinet in the kitchen. You know, I mean, they'll be all over the place. So, yeah, Teresa. I will tell you, as someone who may be getting into this situation, I was told my doc, they know my iPad and my phone passcode. Yeah. Because you know you have a password. Right. Like 300 passwords. You know, right. and you get in your Hotmail or your, yep. your email. It's good for your kids if you trust them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it helps if they're trustworthy. <laughs> so. to, to have that, because that, oh, yeah. that's a good place to go when you're... Absolutely. Yeah, great idea. Uh, one of the biggest, we were looking at the Kika Master List of names and numbers, one of the biggest unfortunate incidences that happened when we moved my mom. She is a somewhere along the spectrum between pack rat and hoarder. <laughs> yeah. And yep. when we were there before we got her moved, I kept telling her you need to get together things that you know you have to have right. to take with you over to assisted living. And, you know, just the whole idea of it was overwhelming to her. Right. She had no clue what it was to me. Right. But in the process, we moved her first with the furniture we knew she could take. Then we started purging her apartment. Well, her address book got purged. It gone, disappeared. Oh, wow. I don't remember ever Boy. seeing it. Then she starts asking about it. What address book? You know, and so, you know, if, you, if you've got a parent in a warning situation, you need to kind of walk them through the house and say, do you need this? Of course, if you say, do you need this? Of course, right. you need this. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Because she, she, she had paperwork back to the 60s. Yeah. Still in oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, ask where those address books are and things ahead of time when you're there for a visit. Yeah, Mark. When I was out visiting my mom one time, we, uh, we spent my entire trip going through her house. Uh, I pulled out boxes that had documents from the 1950s. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and just on and on. And I went through everything and I made piles of stuff by category, walked her through each thing. Do you need this? Why? Well, you know, I still had that. <laughs> and just on and on. But then I had to start doing that with every little thing. But then it took another trip of cleaning out her house when she did move into the uh, nursing home and fortunately my sister was then able to pare down the bare minimums that she needed to take with her and we had a gap of about a month where we hadn't got rid of things yet mm -hmm. fortunately because she was I can't find such and such oh yes we'll call be right back <laughs> <laughs> well I I feel your pain I have a basement that's waiting for hoarders to come and film it so yeah I, I get you <laughs> Sure. One thing, we're all going to be in that spot later, and our kids are going to be taking care of us. And when we had to clean out my dad's house in San Antonio, he had things back into the 40s. Yep. Mm -hmm. In an attic that, you know, how hot and muggy, oh, it was horrible. But it took us literally a month to clean out that house. So start purging now, guys. <laughs> Excellent advice. Start while, yes. while they are still able to make decisions. Yep. Start on your own hoard, people. All right, let's move on to when you can't be there and what's happening when you're not there. Okay, at least one-third of all family caregivers do this task from an hour to four hours away. And about half of caregivers work full or part-time in addition to their caregiving duties. Many have to deal with the concerns of taking off work and if your loved one needs you in person. Don't let the guilt and the worry derail you. Organization and preparation are kind of keys to success and your own survival. So let's look through those. Have, again, this is gonna repeat a little bit of some of the lists that we've looked at earlier. So have those all important phone numbers with you at all times. Be sure anyone involved in your loved one's care knows how to reach you. Make sure they actually have numbers that work for you. Check out um, local services in advance of when you think you're gonna need them. When you go to visit your parent and you think, oh, they're doing great, I don't need to do that, do it anyway. Start kind of looking at services that are in that area and think about it. Think about signing up. Any helpful services, as soon as somebody might need them and they might be useful. I'm talking about senior center classes. I'm talking about transportations. For us uh, in this town, Silver Key, there's more than that, but that's a good one. Um, caregivers or volunteers, if you think, boy, they could really use somebody to come in once a week and do this job, start looking for that before you need to. Meals on Wheels, I know they get a, a bad rap occasionally, but I just talked to somebody recently who her husband's in his 90s, she's knocking on the door. and. She got Meals on Wheels and loves it. She's thrilled to not be cooking two days a week. It's enough in the meal. It, she actually said it tastes good, and it lasts not just lunch but dinner. And she's thrilled to not have to be trying to manage those meals. So look into those. Um, they also now uh, have some mobile ERs that will come to your house. I have never used that, so I really can't recommend it, but I know there's a new one out called Dispatch Health. They kind of come with a lab. So if you have something like a UTI with your parent, and that happens a lot with the elderly, they actually bring a lab, they can check on that, and you're not trying to get your parent to the ER, which is just quite a trip if you've ever done that. It's about six hours long and everybody's completely exhausted at the end of it. So if you can use one of these services, check them out ahead of time. Uh, 
Good. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to know that. Yeah, I I would definitely think about it myself rather than a trip to the ER. Thinking with their children, but they said it's better, especially a season like this. If your child is sick, call them. They'll come to you instead of taking them to a journey doctor's office. Yeah, and they take actually, I think, almost all insurance. So they're actually, you know, pretty good. You might be able to use them really well. And then I'll tell you about one, it's called the Area Agency on Aging. And almost any large county has this. Um, we've got a great one. It's one of the first places that I started when I knew my dad was moving here. So the Area Agency on Aging, excellent resource. They have just about everything you could possibly imagine and they understand all the services. If your parent lives in a super tiny county, that that may not be as available. We definitely have one and any larger cities have them. So establish a support network, make a list of friends, family and neighbors who live near your loved one. Let them know of any concerns and for them to know how to reach you. Um, have a couple of, um, have a number of a local trusted handyman. Can't tell you how many times you're gonna probably get a call, oh, the toilet overflowed, oh, a pipe broke, and you have no clue who to call because you don't live in that town. So start doing your homework uh, ahead of time for stuff like that to be able to help your parent out in a pinch. Um, leave a duplicate of your loved one's house key or security code if you have a trusted neighbor, somebody that you actually really know that would come over in a pinch. You can't get your mom on the phone. You've been trying for hours and you're about to pull your hair out. I have did that with my dad and my next door neighbor went over, let himself in and checked on my dad. He was just fine. He just finally was getting a really good nap and we ruined it for him, so. <laughs> um, try hooking up the internet for your loved one or get them a simple tablet. Teach them how to use Skype. This is a, a good way for them to stay in touch. It's also a really good way for you to get a look at them when you haven't seen them in a while. So you actually get some eyes on them. Yes? There's a thing called a Okay. And it's about this big, and you can load whatever you need on it, but we um, put all of our family and their close relatives on it, and it has all of our pictures, and they just hit a picture, and it calls us. Oh, excellent. And an email, it goes to everyone, but we can also post on it, so nice. we send videos of our grandkids, and it helps them Great. stay in the loop with us. Thank you, nice to know. I see Richard's taking notes because he's doing the technology segment on this, so that's all in his arena, so he'll be talking to you about that later. Um, try to organize your visits so that important meetings, doctor visits, lawyer meetings, that you're in town and that you can go with them if they're comfortable with you going. So try to make sure that those things are happening when you're there. Um, and try to remember, don't make your visits all business. I know that's tough when you've got a parent that's a long way away and you've got a lot of things to accomplish, but don't make the mistake of making it all business. Really try to spend time with them because that's a huge part of this journey. Um, learn to distinguish also real emergencies from anxiety or loneliness. And if necessary, include their doctor in this. When you have somebody who has constant worries or constant complaints, you kind of learn to figure out which ones are really a fire drill and which ones you actually really need to think about the ER or the doctor. So figuring that out takes a little time, but you all will. Arrange for a church friend, a relative, or a neighbor to stop by and regularly check on them. 
You can also hire a companion or a housekeeper. A lot of parents are like, oh no, I don't want you spending any money, I don't want you doing that. But groups like Visiting Angels, they can come in and do actually kind of a variety of things. So you can say, oh mom, I you know, have this person who's coming in and is going to do a little light cleaning and a little light cooking for you. But they're also there kind of checking on them, visiting with them. So you might think about an agency like that. Um, Richard will cover this. Look into emergency response systems and technology that can detect a fall. There's a lot of good stuff out there. He's going to be covering that. If possible, um, financially possible, you can hire a geriatric care manager. They can handle emergencies and keep you updated when they're not there. I was in a doctor's office once with my dad and I saw a gal and I thought, oh my gosh, she is amazing, down on her knees talking to this gal. And I mean, she was professional. That was years ago, I got her card, but I just remember being blown away by what a great job she was doing of really being in that moment, really helping that gal. And she was a hired professional. And then I'm gonna say, finally, take care of yourself. Uh, recognize your limits. Give yourself credit for what you're doing. Find ways to relieve your stress and try, try to not feel guilt. Um, get support from friends or even a professional counselor if needed. I did that when I was towards the end of my dad's journey. It helped a huge amount, really helped keep me together when I had a lot going on. Um, and also you might tell your doctor what kind of stress you're under so that they're aware that you're doing this either near or far. So include them in that. I'll tell you a qu just a quick final story of I, Richard and I went to the VA to talk about my dad's um, uh, different possibilities of things that they could offer and they were so sweet they told me um, by the way, you realize that you will probably die before your dad, don't you? <laughs> he was 93, I was 58. That's what my face looked like <laughs> when they said that. It, it, it was shocking to me, but that can be the reality. If you're not managing your stress, you're going to start falling apart. So. Try to stay on top of that. Try to keep doing things that are good for you, that are healthy for you, you know. Um, you're going to have the opportunity <laughs> every day to cry. Um, <laughs> yep, and that, that was my face a lot of other times too. Or you will have an opportunity to find joy on this journey. <laughs> And I guarantee you, there will be plenty of days on this journey that are filled with joy and good memories. So I just tell you, embrace this journey, take care of yourself, and look for those joyful moments, because they will be there. All right, questions? So we, we had hired somebody to come in and do the bathing and stuff with my mother. So uh -huh. when I was there, she was living with me. So when I got off work and I could be there and just spend time with her nice. in a relationship, yeah. my mother would say, oh no, my daughter does that for me, to the caregiver. Nice. And the caregiver would go, well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I would have to make sure that the caregiver knew yes. that's why we hired her. <laughs> exactly. That she gets in the shower. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and explain that to my mother then. Right. That, that the reason why we're doing this isn't because I don't want to do this for you. So you can be it's present when you're there yeah. and not become like the person the you're hiring. Right, exactly, excellent. Um, let me ask a quick question about who's gonna be in town uh, on the 22nd, 
uh, that's the weekend before Christmas. Who's who for sure is going to be out of town? Okay. 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 All right. So we're not going to meet on the 22nd. Okay. What about the Sunday after Christmas? One more. That's the 29th. Yeah. Out of town. Out of town. How many out of towners on the 29th? Okay. Not quite as many. And then what about the 5th? On the 5th. That's the Sunday after uh, the 1st. Only one. Okay. We have two that are scheduled uh, time to be off, and that's going to be, we're going to make that decision right now. That's going to be the 22nd and the 29th. We're going to take those two Sundays off, okay? But next week we will be meeting, and we're going to be discussing how to move a loved one, when, where, and how to do that successfully. So I appreciate you guys coming today. Thank you so much. God bless everybody. Mark. And these are going to be they are, yeah. As far as I know, we're going to have these all recorded so you can get these online. And I'm happy to help anybody with anything that I talked about after class. Thank you. God bless you guys. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.